This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of Inspiring Design with yours truly. This is where best of the best brands, experts, change makers, and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights, experience, and knowledge. Our goal here is to be the missing link between education, design, and the industry. Today, I have here with me a very special guest, Amy Lou Wilson. She is a passionate advocate for global mindfulness education for the 21st century. She is the founder of Yoga Seeds, teaching mindful movement, breathwork, and personal development to children and adolescents, ranging from pre-prep to high school students. She also runs professional development workshops for teachers, focusing on whole school well-being. Not only that, she also operates within the local and federal government system, facilitating regular meditation, yoga, and mindfulness workshops for Brisbane City Council staff. She also designed and facilitates the wellness component of the DFAT Australia Awards Women's Leadership Program. She's literally the perfect lady to speak about this topic, so let's get straight into discussing mindfulness in the 21st century. Amy, welcome to Inspiring Design. All right, how's it going? Awesome, how you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. I've got to be honest, this is the first time I'm doing a recording on the floor, so this is new for me. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But I'm used to this. I love it, I love it. (laughs) All right, let's get straight into it. Can you start off with a little bit of background? What's your story? Ah, my story. So, um, well, I started practicing yoga when I was 17. Um, I'd had a really tumultuous upbringing. So, um, you know, mum, dad separated when I was really young. We moved to the country, country New South Wales, actually a little place called Mudgee. Um, dad stayed in the mountains. Um, you know, I had a, we just, yeah, I had a pretty stressful, stressful early childhood. And um, I think that stayed with me all through my teenage years. I, I found it um, really hard when I got to high school to, to um, you know, I was quite an anxious kid, but wasn't even aware of it actually and outwardly really confident, but inside not so confident. And, um, you know, I finished school, went off to performing arts school and, um, and that's where I found yoga. So um, we had this amazing movement teacher, um, Sarah Grenfell, who came into our class and she was very forward thinking for the time. And she, um, she taught us a yoga practice. And, and I remember like, like it was yesterday, this, the moment where I felt what yoga really was and it was in warrior two and I was really like my legs were burning and I was really like inside really hating on my teacher for keeping us in this place and then all of a sudden this this peace just washed over me that I'd never experienced before I don't think I'd ever felt it in my entire life that's pretty cool because that that teacher is actually quite advanced for you to be able to teach yoga practice as a part of the curriculum Back in the day. Back then. So. Oh, she was very, very forward thinking. So we're talking 1999. Wow. Yeah. Um, yep. That's showing my age, isn't it? <laughs> I'm 39. Um, so quite a long time ago. So yeah, I've been practicing for 22 years. But so yeah, she was really forward thinking. And I'm so grateful 
that that I had a teacher that that was you know she was already practicing yoga and she knew the benefits of it. Yeah. But from a an acting perspective, from a performer's perspective, um, you know, centering and grounding yourself is really important. So I understand in hindsight why she was teaching us, but I got so much more out of it than than, than I could ever have imagined. Yeah. Um, and then as the years went on, you know, I, um, I, I, you know, I had sales jobs and I had had a lot of success early on with a lot of the roles that I was in. You know, I was put in management positions and 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 nothing ever felt quite right to me. You know, I, I was climbing this corporate ladder that that just didn't sit well with me. Um, then I went backpacking. I travelled overseas and I came back. And all through this time, whenever I felt stressed, I would come back to the practice of yoga. I was yep. going, I think, oh, I got it. I need to go back to yoga. I need to go and find it, find someone who to, to teach me yoga again. And um, so I kept coming back to it. And then um, and then I had I had a beautiful a child when I was 24, um, Charlie. And um, so, you know, as a mum, the practice became even deeper and, and it changed again for me. It yep. was just what I needed at that time. Um, again, really, Challenging time, you know, new mum. Um, so again, found yoga, and 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 then over the years, it just became a more solid practice. And then when my daughter was born, we we did a little bit more travelling again, still whilst practicing yoga, the whole time. And then I and then yeah, she started school, and I I was sort of not really sure of my role. You know, I'd been at home with the kids for most of that time. Um, always did little sales jobs here and there, but nothing ever too too um, too punchy. Always just the, the cream on top, but um, yeah. So the kids, the kids, the little little ones started school, and I was sort of left at, at sort of wondering what my role was. And my yoga teacher at the time actually said, "I think you should go and do the teacher training." And it was like a sign, really, you know. I, and again, I'm really grateful to her too for for putting me on this path. And um, it really began uh, the path of of deepening my own self discovery. Um, and and yeah, started practicing every day, and then and then started teaching. Um, and from that, I, I taught at um, Brisbane City Council. I've taught in um, for DFAT for their well, women's wellness program. So I've t t done some amazing things. Um, but yeah, and now here I am teaching kids. Who would have thought? Love it. And so, is it accurate if I say that uh, you've been teaching yoga for about 20 years? Not teaching, I guess, been practicing. Practicing, yoga. practicing for 20 years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Teaching, well, so Elkie's 10, so I've been teaching for about six, six years, yep. yeah, in total. Awesome. And so tell me a little bit about the, how Yoga Seeds came about, because I believe that's your brand and that's, yeah. that's what you work with schools with. So Yoga Seeds, for me, um, I definitely saw that there was an increase in anxiety with kids, even my own child, actually, my eldest child. Um, and I really was looking for something to help children that were experiencing that. Um, so I, I started digging a little bit deeper, finding programs that were specifically for children. So I've done a lot of kids yoga teacher training as well, which is a, it's quite different to adults training. Yep. So as you saw today in the class, although that, that um, class was, because it was for teens, it was more akin to an adult's class, but still, you're still speaking to children on their level yep. for the development, that the, the developmental stage that they're at, but also, um, you know, the brain and the, how the brain is working at that time in their lives, it's all different, different stages of development. It's really important that when we're teaching yoga, we're teaching to the, the specific age and teaching in the right way. Yep. Um, and I know that I think the, in that teen phase, they're actually developing that first personality trait yeah. out yep. of the four that we have. That's so right. So it's, it's an amazing time to actually mold it and ground themselves. I love that. Yes. 
And so the pruning starts now too. Yes. So if we don't do it now, it's so much harder later on yep. to come back and find that. Um, so it's really a great time to be teaching kids yoga, the practice of yoga. I teach from, from uh, pre-prep actually. So the younger, my younger students are four years old. Yep. And I have a lot of people ask me, how do you teach kids yoga? Well, it looks very different to an adult's class, I can tell you that much. Yep. But it's still, <laughs> we're still teaching them about their bodies and how their minds work and their emotions, but in a fun way, yep. you know? And I noticed that one of the biggest issues in education right now is being able to keep the attention span of the, of the students. And yep. that's actually coming because of technology. You know, we're used to having so much information just given to us within seconds yeah. and constantly we're allowed to reach into our pockets and access that so they're naturally geared to just find things you know in a matter of seconds that that grit and resilience to almost push past and find information yeah. it's becoming a thing of the past yes. so i find that when you even just witnessing how you were working with the with the teens just then mm. they were wanting to they were distracted at first with all the things happening around them but you just kept drawing them back in and towards the halfway through the class i noticed that they were all very much themselves they were relaxed they were playful yes. even when they made errors stumbled felt they were laughing it's all yeah. good yeah. so i love that and so i wanted to ask you how do you manage that like what's the approach mm. Um, so I think the f first and foremost is understanding. You understand, you know, I was them once. Yes. I was there once. Empathy. Empathy. And I understand how it feels to be a 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Yeah. Um, you, rem you, you remember what it was like, you know, you're worried about what everyone thinks and there's so much pressure from parents. I think even more so now, like when I was a teenager, you know, my parents' attitude was a pretty relaxed one, to be honest. I didn't feel the pressure from them per se. It was more self-imposed pressure that I felt. But I think now there's so much information. Parents are trying to do the best thing that they can by the kids. So are educators, but we're, we're, we're overwhelming them, overwhelming kids with too much, too many extracurricular activities, um, which we all know as parents too. There's just too much going on. But also. I think trying to do everything perfectly, we're trying to do everything right and tick all the boxes and in that we lose something. Mm -hmm. I think we lose, we lose that real um, connection actually mm -hmm. to ourselves, to what it is that we really want yeah. as humans. Do you, this is going off a little bit of a, yeah. on a tangent, but do you ever prevent them from checking in when they come to the classes? Because it's yeah. that thing of you've got to check into the, if you go to the gym, Yep. It's almost like you didn't work out if you don't check in on Facebook, <laughs> right? So, are they allowed to do that here? Look, I don't, I don't put any, any, I don't put any <laughs> restrictions on checking in before we come into the class. Yeah. Whatever they do beyond that door yeah. is is up to them. Yeah. Once they arrive, though, it's phones off. It's Good. you know, phones are nowhere to be seen. They're switched off. Yeah. It's really switching off from the outside world when you come into this room. Yeah. Um, we really need to teach children how to do that but we also need to do it ourselves yep. is what I would say to that you know the, the fish swims from the head down and that that comes to the practice of yoga and mindfulness and, and embodying these things as well I think it's all great you know it's all well-intentioned we're all coming from it because from a place of love we all, we want the best for kids and the next generation but if we're not doing it ourselves they're like, not gonna listen they're not well. gonna do it yeah. you yeah. know it's that do as I say not as I do thing definitely definitely um, so really the practice is for ourselves as adults and educators as well, yep. Yep. you know. 
Now, going back to yoga seats, can you paint us a little bit of a picture on what it looks like when you go to when you go to a school when you're running a workshop? You know, how long is it? Um, how, how does the process work with the school? It depends on the school and what they're actually wanting. So every school is different. So this is from the state system to the private system. They all have yep. different budgets and, you know, and also, you know, an independent school might have a little bit more flexibility than a, than a typical state-run state, state run school. Um, so there's a couple of ways that we work. So we, we come in, we do lunchtime classes for kids mm -hmm. and that's usually an opt-in so the student gets to choose whether they come to that or not. Sure. Um, and sometimes that's a parent pays model. Um, there's also a whole school approach where we come in for a day and each class comes to the hall. So you'll have half an hour lesson for each class or each class and a half or sometimes two classes depending on how big the space is yeah. or an oval. Um, so the whole school gets the benefits of yoga, which is actually my preferred, you know, ideally, eventually, that's what we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. um, there's also the after school model as well so going into a class and or, or a hall and using the school the school space after school so kids have that option afterwards to de-stress and 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 to build build and cultivate community yeah. um, so there's a couple of different ways i also run um, pd workshops for staff as well on how to deliver yeah how awesome. to deliver this how yeah. to be able to implement it into the classroom as well love that and alongside the work that i do that's that speaks directly to me because you're empowering the teachers to be able to carry that sustainable practice through so i love yeah. that yeah, yeah. Most importantly though with that is that they practice themselves. So one of the, the things that I do require when I come in and do a workshop for teachers is that we do run a class for the teachers. Great. So they experience it for themselves in their own physical body. Yeah. So, you know, it might be for a teacher, uh, you know, implementing this in a classroom. It might look like at the begin beginning of the day, they do, they take 10 minutes out of the start of the day and they just, you know, check in. So we're just checking, how does the body feel? how we, you know, whatever's happened in our morning, let's leave it at the door. What, just let's feel what's going on in our body. Let's come back to our breath. Yep. And you know, um, in the class earlier, we always start with a baseline because if kids don't know how it feels to be tense in their physical bodies, how do they know what it's like to be relaxed? Mm. They don't actually know. So we really need to start with the baseline. And I think that's what um, a lot of mindfulness practice in general misses mm -hmm. actually is that connection to the body. Yep. It's really crucial that we have that connection to our physical bodies. Yep. Now you mentioned that word a few times, so I want to ask you, mm. what is actually mindfulness? Good question. Um, so mindfulness is simply drawing your attention to whatever you are doing in the moment with full presence. So that could be like us sitting here right now, I'm fully present in the conversation with you. Yep. Um, my mind's not wandering off, you know. It's not that the mind isn't wandering off either. So it's when the mind wanders off, it's noticing. Ah, yep. oh, okay, without judgment. Yep. So noticing and just being aware of where the mind is going and then how that feels. Yep. Um, so, you, you know, you can do mindfulness. Mindfulness can be practiced in many different ways. Um, and I yeah. think that's the tricky part because it sounds so simple theoretically. Yeah. But it's when you have to start doing it and even meditation sounds very simple. Yeah. But if you sit down for 30 seconds, that 30 seconds can feel like it's two hours. It can feel like a lifetime. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So coming from understanding mindfulness how do you impart this so that it becomes a practice it yeah. becomes a the norm the new yeah. norm yeah it's great um, and and what I find a lot of the time when I when I'm talking about yoga you know if I'm out with people and they say what do you do and I tell them I'm a yoga teacher and meditation teacher and they say oh I find it's so hard to meditate I don't, it's so hard to be mindful it's like, yeah, it is hard. It is a practice. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to deny that, you know, this is a magic bullet that, that, you know, you do it once and all your problems are solved. No, it is a practice. You yeah. need to keep doing it. Um, and the part of the brain that we're activating is the prefrontal cortex when we do that, right? When we bring our attention back. Um, 
so teaching the kids too about about those different parts of the brain, the amygdala, how the amygdala works. When they walked in today, some of them were a bit fidgety, they're a bit nervous. It's natural. They're coming into a class, they don't know the kids they're coming to. Yep. Um, they're worried about how they look. Are they going to be able to do what's going to be required of them? There's the amygdala going, fight or flight, fight or flight. Yep. So that's why when we sat, we, we checked in with our baseline, how are we feeling? Then we draw the attention to the breath. It's like, because the breath is actually the key to calming the parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. So the breath out, the longer the breath out, the activation happens almost like within, within four rounds of breath that can happen. So the breath work is really amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I love that, that you said four, because it's the same technique that I use before any workshop or going on ah, stage. Yeah. It's, it's, I call it square breathing. Square breathing. So yes. it's still four, you know, yep. four seconds in, four seconds out and repeating that four times. So that I find, and I thank you for explaining the science behind it mm. because that it makes sense on why your whole body just centers your calm the only thing ahead of is right now and what you're about to do next yes and i love that and it's been a, it's been a practice of mine for about three four years now my everything just wow. fell into place <laughs> right then <laughs> yes that's amazing it's amazing that your work you're, you're already using the practice and that yeah. it's working for you and you know that's a that's a testament to it yeah a lot of performers use it a lot of like you know stage being on stage is a performance in itself yeah. um a lot of sports people too like yeah you know that's definitely that's, this mindfulness thing, breath, you know. Um, what I would say about that though too, is that so the physical tension in your body, like how do you, you know, how are you releasing the physical tension before you go on stage? Because often we're tense, mm. right? So it's really helpful to have a little physical practice too that you, you, that you can do in a short way. That's mm. not, you know, you can't even got an hour to go and do yoga. What can you do physically in your body? Yeah. So there's just some simple little stretches that we can do, just bringing the attention to those, the physical body and the, and, um, the presence and how it feels yeah. to move in that way. And That's I find really that um, it's something similar that um, mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins is one yes, of the guys that I, I love follow Tony a lot. Robbins, yeah. There you go. And he apparently carries around a little trampoline and yeah. that's all he takes. And yeah. every single time before he goes on stage, he makes sure he's jumping up and down <laughs> on it. And, it. and this big human being jumping up and down on his this little trampoline. He's so big as exactly. well. Exactly. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the same theory yeah. though. It's the same theory. Yeah. And yeah. apparently his team members know never to, you know, disturb him <laughs> when he's about to do that because that means he's about to go on stage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. All the theory is the same. now. It's very different to teaching an adult, and you've already mentioned mm, this. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to kids, how do you keep their attention, especially the smaller ones? Mm, the little ones, yeah. What's, what, are your, what are your practice tips? So with the little ones, um, really the way I teach, the way we teach yoga seeds, it's, it's a story. We're telling a story with our body. They become an animal. Like it's gotta be, it's gotta be fun for children. Um, as soon as you take the fun out of it, if you c c come in and try and do it from an adult's perspective, you lose them. It's yeah. not engaging for them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have seen some kids yoga done with with from an adult's perspective, and it just doesn't. You know, you've got to have the most saintly child <laughs> to be doing it. Um, so it's got to be fun. You use um, we use um, different dynamics too. So light and shades, fast, slow. I use my voice, so we're big and loud, and then we're really quiet and. That really engages children. Yeah. And so I noticed the music was even contemporary ones that they know. Yes. But they're instrumental and it's actually a very calming way. So even I was thinking, I know this, I know this song. <laughs> yeah. Mad World. Exactly. At the end there. There's a piano. Yes. <laughs> I think there might have even a bit of, been a bit of Nirvana in there as well. Potentially, yeah. That's, <laughs> and I love that because it's, yeah. a, it's a sense of familiarity mm. for them. 
And so it's, it's part of the experience. And I notice the smells, the touch, the light, it's almost all the six, uh, five senses yes. are actually engaged and you've, you're controlling. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's great. Is that by design? Yes, it's all by design. Awesome. Yeah. But it took a long time to work this stuff out. You know, it was yeah. a lot of playing with different, different techniques, um, different music, different age groups. Yeah. yeah to get yeah. to this place. But it's interesting that you mentioned the six senses because there is actually six senses. We talk about the five senses. Yes. But there is another sense and it's the intuition, it. right? Yep. It's our instinct. Yep. Um, and when we do this, when we get quiet, when we get physically, mentally, emotionally quiet, then you can start to listen to that. Mm -hmm. And our instincts get stronger. The more we do this stuff, the stronger that voice inside gets about what the right way to move forward is, yep. you know? which is something I'm very passionate about for teenagers particularly because I think there are so many things coming from the outside world, so many people telling them what to do or how it should be done. Yep. Um, and I really think that we have this, everyone has an inner knowing. Yep. And the more, we, the closer we get to that, the, the sooner we move on to the path that we're meant to be on. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's actually very much resonates with my own background and culture because in Buddhism, it's all about the right way, right path, right action and right speech. Yeah. So you just drove a link between this practice and being able to strengthen that within yourselves intrinsically. Yes. So I love that. And so how do you actually get teachers to pass this knowledge on? Because I think that's a big hurdle in itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, they have to physically, they have to have experienced it themselves yeah that's why i'm so passionate about teaching them even if it's just once yes you know because that yoga class that i did when i was 17 we weren't doing it for a year mm -hmm. it was like a handful of yoga classes mm -hmm. and i think it might have even been in the very first yoga class that i ever did right. that i felt that yeah i don't know my memory i don't know my memory fails me a little bit there but um it 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 can be that quick particularly for someone who has never experienced calm mm -hmm. And you'd be quite, quite surprised at how many people don't really know what that feels like, yeah. um, especially the older generation. I think that's um, quite, quite, uh, quite true for, for the older generations that didn't, weren't exposed to any of this stuff, yeah. you know? Um, so I think by showing teachers, taking them through a little bit of a practice themselves mm -hmm. so that they can then, they then have to, they have to be able to experience it. Yeah then to be able to share it. Otherwise, it's not being shared from, it's not being shared from an authentic place. It's being shared from a, um, I've got the, got the paperwork. This is what I've been told to do. We're ticking the boxes of the curriculum. You know, it's from a head, the head down, not from here. You know, our center. This is where we're balanced. This is where everything comes from. Yeah. And you, you just mentioned the word curriculum. And yeah. so it takes me to my next question. Why is this actually important to the next next stage in education, 21st century education. Why is this important? This is so important um, for so many reasons. I don't know if I can share them all today. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be here all day. Um, first and foremost, the we've all this testing, you know, all these things that we're trying, all these educational outcomes that we're trying to achieve currently. Um, a lot of it, it's all well-intentioned. You know, it is. We're we're very well intentioned with what we're doing. Even trying to impart mindfulness on, in the in the children at the moment, and using all these mindfulness techniques, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, however, if we're not working with children from a place of um, from a heart centered place, from from this centered place that I that I spoke of earlier, 
I don't think kids can, um, well, first of all, they can't focus in the classroom. If we don't use this mindfulness stuff, mindfulness yoga, whatever you want to call it, if we don't use it and we don't use it correctly, they don't get the benefits of that calm, centered feeling yeah. and switching off the amygdala, yeah. right? A child can't come, they can't, a child can't focus if they come into a classroom and that amygdala is triggered. Lots of kids now, I would say most, of ki most kids that I know probably enter a classroom in the morning from a triggered state. And that's for various reasons. It could be from overuse of technology in the morning before they get to school. It could be some an argument they have with their parent about rushing out the door, getting to their music practice, whatever it was on time. They've lost something that they needed for a sports class, whatever it is. They, 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 they're in a triggered state, right? Once upon a time, that was really useful for us when we were you know, when we were tribes and we were trying yeah. to protect ourselves <laughs> from all the elements and wild animals and the amygdala had a really important job to keep us physically safe. Yep. Our brain hasn't evolved to that point now. The amygdala now fires when we feel a physical a, a stress response that might be, we might perceive it to be really stressful emotionally, but we're not physically in any danger, usually. Sometimes we are. And the amygdala is really useful when we're physically in danger. You know, it's, it stops us from walking out into the street and getting hit by a car, Absolutely. you know. So it's really important that we, that we have that part of the brain, but it's overactive at the moment. So if we're not in a calm and focused state, if we haven't activated the parasympathetic nervous system, which is where the frontal lobe comes online, you can't focus in a classroom. You can't draw that child's attention to anything that you're doing. They're going to be somewhere else. And that might be distracting other classmates. That might be just, you know, doodling, whatever they're doing. They're not there because they're, they're thinking about something else. They're somewhere else, yep. you know. So if, you're, if we're wanting to improve education and educational outcomes, we need to have focused kids in the classroom. Yep. They need to be able to absorb the information that's coming at them. If they can't do that, it's pointless. Yep. Why even go to school? And it actually goes then beyond that. That might be the actual, what we see in the classroom yep. unfocused, yes. but what that means in the long run is they don't have as much resiliency to deal with problems. Yep. They don't have enough self-awareness to understand themselves, personality, learning styles, progress with what they're doing. So it all then builds negatively yep. down the wrong pathway. So completely, it's, it's drawing all this to pieces together and, and being able to, I think, educate students as well as parents as well as teachers mm -hmm. to understand this string line of domino effects yes. that happens so i think that it, which takes me to my next part what's your advice for the educators the teachers yeah. who want to take this into their classroom take that action what mm. what can they mm -hmm. do what's your advice for them first of all find a good teacher find someone who can teach them like yourself like myself <laughs> yeah and there are plenty and pl there are plenty of others doing it too in the space that are doing a very good job of it um, finding a teacher who understands child development, yep. um, first of all, and understands the, the challenges that parents and teachers are both facing. That's really important. Um, practice, practice themselves, even if it's just a couple of times so they understand what they're teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that I really notice is that I think teachers are really overwhelmed currently. When I go into a school, I f teachers are flat out. There's so much going on for them. So. The fish swims from the head down. If the teachers aren't calm, then where is their teaching coming from? It's also coming from a place of overwhelm and stress. And you know, as a as a as a yoga teacher, I say if you can't, if you're not fill up, filling up your own cup, you can't fill up all these other cups. There's so many cups to fill when you're a teacher. Yeah. 
and a caregiver, a parent. So, so you know, you really need to be taking care of yourself. And that's, I know that's it's thrown around a lot, but it's really true. Yep. Um, yeah. So find a good teacher. Find a good teacher who understands where you're at, where you're coming from, understands what your challenges are, um, and then start teaching it. Start teaching it. Just and don't bite off, bite off more than you can chew, because there is always a tendency to do that, and that's more overwhelm. It's a la another layer. It's another layer of something else that you've got to do. Yeah. But even if it's just you know once a day in the classroom, the beginning of the day is probably the best time, mm -hmm. because then they get to leave everything that's happened. You know, if it's just a little movement and mindfulness practice for ten or fifteen minutes. Fresh start. Yeah, start of the day, and then I think it's useful. You're just just trying that on you know, with your students. And then you'll notice things about different students. You'll start to notice how it affects each one of them. Um, and then all, it's also really useful in, during transitions. So for moving from one subject to another or moving from, you know, if the kids have come in from another class, that resettling technique. Yeah. Um, again, it's just maybe a little bit of movement, focusing on the breath, just getting them to calm back down so they're focused for the next round. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of little ways that, that teachers can use it. Yeah. And imagine, this is just speaking out loud, if every teacher does that at the start of every lesson. Yep. The kids come into school, they leave everything behind, mm -hmm. they're not holding on to any baggage, they peer, uh, subject one, classroom one, yep. they have that practice, they focus on what's required then and there. They leave to the next classroom. They're actually leaving that first classroom content yes. behind, whether it was stressful, whether it was an exam, yeah. whether it was super fun, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. they leave it there. And then they come to the next one, and yep. they come to the next one. And yep. then when they leave school, they leave it at school. Yes. And so their homeschool gets enriched as well. So Everything. It's, Everything. Yeah. It, it snowballs from one to the next. So what's your advice when they go back home <laughs> to the parents? Yeah. Well, parents... Parents need to be doing it too. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't come from a place of should with that. You know, we shouldn't be doing anything because parents are also really overwhelmed. Yep. We've got so much to do. I'm a parent. I have two children. Yes. Um, I have a, a high school aged child and a primary school aged child and I've only got two of them. And I know, I know the struggles and the strains that we face as parents. So I'm not by any means, any stretch, even as a yoga teacher, perfect at this. Uh, but what I will say... I think it's say, about making a priority. It's yeah. the same as your health, physical health. You know, if we make it a priority to go to a gym or, mm -hmm. or work out at home, it happens. Well, this is, this is everything all exactly. wrapped up in one. You've got physical health of the yep. physical body, but then emotional health, right? Because yep. you're checking in with that. When the body physically is releasing tension, you're releasing emotional and mental tension as well. But it's all linked yep. inextricably. They are not separate things. When a kid is stressed, their body is stressed. You'll know the kids in your classroom, the kids that are a little bit anxious yep. because they're physically, they, they have uh, ways of manifesting that physically. You know, it might be eyes all over the place. It might be fidgeting. It might be, you know. Yep. So it's all linked. So when we can release the physical tension, we're a bit calmer. Ah, ah, ah. It, all, it all links. It's it all, all links, yeah. And last, lastly, what's your advice for students in university mm. students, mm. high school students, yeah. primary school students? Yeah. What's your advice for them? Yeah, well, you know, do yoga. Yes. <laughs> do yoga. No, really. I wish I'd had yoga. So, I mean, I consider myself one of the lucky ones, having found it at 17. Yeah. I wish I'd had it earlier, which is why I started Yoga Seeds. Yeah. The earlier we can, we can deliver these tools and give, give children the tools, the better off we're all going to be as a, as a society. And I think that's the problem. There is in the Western society, yoga is seen as a luxury. It you is. Know, it's kind of what, yeah. the, what you would do if you 
have a lot of free, t she free got time. All the time. Exactly. And then you if go to a Pilates class. If you're floating. There you go. Yeah. So how do you yeah. break that connotation? Because it is a form of meditation. It is a form of well-being and mindfulness practice. There's a whole array of different things. It's not just a luxury. Yes. So how do we break that connotation? Because until then, if if a student in a, in a university sector right now has always learned that it is something that rich people do, something <laughs> that you do when you have when you go on holidays, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. every once yeah. a year, yeah. How do you break that barrier? Yeah, it's challenging. Um, ideally, like I said, it, <laughs> I'd love for it to be part of the curriculum yes. from way back, way, way when you know when they're this big, because then it just becomes a part of life. Yeah. You know that you need to take care of your physical body. Let's bring awareness to that part of the body that feels tense. Why is it feeling tense? Ah, oh, that's why. Every time I think that thought, it makes me feel like this. And you know, it'd be great if we were teaching them from from little people, yeah. um, and everybody getting the benefits benefits of it, not just a privileged few. You know, but. Um, yeah, there is a stigma attached to it, particularly from the, the Eastern tradition, and I, I love it, it's beautiful, um, but there is a little bit of a stigma attached to it, I guess, when it's taught in an esoteric way. Mm -hmm. I think understanding the science behind it, because it is backed in science, yep. understanding why the body does what it does, yep. that this stuff actually works. Once they understand the amygdala, the prefrontal cortex, what's happening, why can't I study, why can't I focus, why, does it, why do I always do that when I go into that class? Once they get it, and then, and then you start to incorporate the tools and you go, oh, yeah. Again, they have to feel it for themselves and understand it. Oh, okay, those two things are linked, right. Yes. And I think that's the biggest takeaway because if you can explain the science behind things, yeah. there's a credibility behind it. Yeah, And absolutely. there's a direct cause and effect. Yeah. So yeah. I love that. Thank yes. you so much for your time. I You're think so welcome. I've personally learned so much myself. Yeah. Even prior to us sitting down to have this conversation, just watching you work with the students. Yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of takeaways for the listeners as well. So th thank you so much Wonderful. for your time. Wonderful. Thank you. My pleasure. And if anyone's interested in finding out more about yes. yoga and the science behind it, if you go to my website, www.yogaseeds.com.au, yep. I've got a whole link to a heap of studies that have been done backing the science behind this. So if you're interested, that's where you, that's where you go. Um, otherwise, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in and watching this episode till the end. So make sure now you jump onto the show notes and check out Amy's work and research into all the benefits of mindfulness practices and how they can relate to your school environments in education in the 21st century. So last but not least, make sure you guys share your thoughts and a comment on this video, if you can, just down below. And feel free to share your love from a review on Apple Podcasts as well. Till next time.